One of the reasons why we are made to read the account from Leviticus is because the church really wants us to begin by first of all reflecting on the root causes of discrimination or the, the way we handle difference and the order. So why are we made to read a story of how to treat people who have skin issues? If somebody has a skin disease, we should tell the person, ring a bell before you and say, get out, get out of me, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. Why do we have to read that for a start? Like I said, it's because we want to take a step back and look deep in our hearts. What are the things that sometimes motivate the way we relate with the other person that is different? So you remember the story in the first reading? Somebody unclean has to ring a bell and be kept away from the community. Three possible reasons behind that prescription. The first might be a legitimate concern for public health. Check that by work. The second, however, is the fear of death. And so it's not so much about the person who has a skin problem, but it is about me and you, all of us, because I want to preserve myself. So the first motivation, the second motivation for that prescription is the fear of the other, the fear of death. The third motivation, which I think is a very important one, is ignorance about the nature of the punishment of God. Because the people in Leviticus actually believed that sickness was a sign of God's punishment. And so, if I had a headache, you can't see it, but I know I have it. So it becomes a private conversation between me and God. Aha, good, I, I like that. But if I have a sore on my forehead, uh-huh, everybody now knows that, whoa, whoa, you've done something wrong and God is now punishing you. And so the people in the world of Leviticus actually use physical sickness and ailment as a sign to determine whether somebody is clean and unclean. You remember somewhere in the gospel, people came to Jesus and they saw somebody who had physical issues. And they said to Jesus, who sinned? Was it himself or the parents? And Jesus says, look, guys, you don't get it. Now let's fast forward. Fast forward as quickly as you can now to right now in this church, in our time, as you listen. Why is it? that sometimes ideological differences has become so toxic in our world today. Have we really made serious progress in racial harmony, in gender harmony, in harmonies of sexual orientation? How much progress have we made? Why is political differences so toxic in our culture today? It boils down to the same issues in Leviticus. 
fear and ignorance. First of all, fear. Fear that my world is threatened by the world of the other person. And so if I am a Democrat, I feel that these Republicans don't get it. They are still locked up in the world of 1920s. They better grow up. This is a new world order. They don't get it. And so I feel that ideology threatens my own kind of political ideology. On the other hand, if I'm Republican, I may feel these Democrats are turning morality upside down. What kind of country do we now live in? Blah, 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 blah. And so it becomes a tension of fear of the other. I feel that the other's opinion now threatens my own world. The question we are asking, why is difference a problem in our world today? Just like in the world of Leviticus, sometimes it is ignorance. And this ignorance can produce what some people call cognitive dissonance. And so because I'm walled off, I, have, I don't have enough contact with you, and so I'm like, ooh, I've never met a white person. Ooh, 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 ooh. I've never met a black person. Ooh, 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 ooh. And so that ignorance walls me off, and I do not know enough about you, and you don't know enough about me. And it creates tension. It creates discomfort. Ignorance sometimes could also create what some people call cognitive biases. And so because I'm walled off and I do not know enough about you, the little encounter I have about people in your group becomes my only foundation to make judgments and conclusions about the entire group. And that's what breeds stereotypes and breeds prejudices. Unfortunately, Fear and ignorance sometimes makes us vulnerable to hate and divisiveness. And sadly, sometimes there are people who exploit these fears and ignorance. But here is the good news. Somebody please say amen. Here is the good news. And that's where I want to spend the rest of my time. That all of us as Christians, each and every one as Christians, as we listen this morning, we now have an invitation to become the power and the strength to dispel fear and ignorance in our culture and in our society. And the readings in the New Testament, that's the point they all make this morning. Let's look at what Paul tells us. Paul says in the first letter to the Corinthians, he says, look, avoid giving offense to anybody. Paul says it doesn't matter if the person is Jew or Greek. Give no offense to anybody regardless of whether the person is white or black whether he's male or female, whether he's homosexual or heterosexual, and the list can go on and on and on. Because for Paul, you are called to peace. 
But more importantly, Paul tells us in his letter to the Corinthians, he said, you become imitators of Christ. And what does it mean to become an imitator of Christ? We find that in the gospel. So I'm going to outline five characteristics of Christ that really makes us instruments of harmony. Number one, I'd like you to notice that the leper came to Jesus in the gospel. Are you kidding? Jesus allows him to come into his presence. This is someone who is supposed to ring a bell and say, hey, hey, I'm unclean. But Jesus lets him into his presence. Does that teach us anything? It's really about having an open mind. True power of faith is about having a liberated mind like Christ Jesus. Number two, Jesus was moved with pity, compassion, mercy, love for the other person, even when that person is different. Number three, Jesus stretched out his hand. First, he allows him into his presence, and now he is reaching out to him. Does that tell us anything about what mercy is all about? And then finally, Jesus touched him. He touched him. It's really about all of us as Christians. We are called to become instruments of God's love. To touch each and every one with love, with mercy, and with kindness. So let me summarize. Even if we forgot every other thing we talked about this morning, I reduce it to one statement. In a world that is threatened by hate and divisiveness, you and I, as Christians, we are called to become imitators of Christ. And like Christ, let us learn to stretch out and touch. Let us now bow our heads and pray. Come, live in the light. Shine with love and the joy of the Lord. We are called to be light for the kingdom, to live in the freedom of the city of God. We are called to act with justice. We are called to love tenderly. We are called to serve one another, to walk 
humbly we 